This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green. Can you believe we're halfway through August? I'm enjoying some cooler temps here in Kentucky. I hope you're enjoying the weather where you are. We've got a fun episode for you this week. Our bar conversation is with country artist Dustin Herring and his good buddy Brandon White. Uh, Dustin will talk about his career, and uh, Brandon will jump in a little bit to talk about an amazing veteran organization that the two played uh, this past weekend, uh, benefit they played this past weekend, and our tasting notes. We're in the midst of Cocktails 101 with Jake Solik, and we've learned about the basics. We learned a couple different recipes so far, and uh, this one will be the second one of, the, of those in the old-fashioned as we learn how to build off of that, what goes into it, and how it all came to be. It's a fun episode. Don't forget to check out uh, hopspirits.com for all sorts of information, including a lot of fun things there. And uh, let's not waste any more time and get into the show. It's almost time. Where did I, where, where did I put those? Here they are. <laughs> it's time for Tasting Notes. He's back again, back again, here to talk cocktails here on Cocktails 101. Please welcome in Jake Salk, the Beverage Director Partner with the Professors LLC. I'm excited to be here, Jonathan. Thank you. Well, I appreciate this as always. It's always a fun time talking to you. We did the sour recipe last week. We did basics at the start of the month. So I think now we're going into maybe another one that's maybe in the whiskey realm that can also, of course, go across the board as well. And that's the, the old fashioned and how we can build off of that. Exactly. It's kind of one of the foundational recipes. Um, you're going to go out to a bar, you need to know a bartender that knows how to make a good old-fashioned, but they're actually really, really easy to, to make at home. They've got a, a strange history. I think they're probably one of the most misunderstood drinks recipes online. You see a lot of urban legends and, and myths about it. People like to fight about where the old-fashioned came from, but what we do know 100% for a fact is that the very first recipe for a whiskey cocktail was published in 1806. So we know that despite various liquor companies' claims to having created this or that whenever, we know that the recipe is over 200 years old. At the time, it was just called a cocktail uh, with a capital C. Um, It was just something new. But 70 or 80 years later, it had changed a lot. Um, It had developed. People were using different spirits, using different kinds of sugars and bitters in it. And it became very fashionable in cities like Chicago, New York, to go out to your local saloon, walk up to your bartender, ask him for a whiskey cocktail. And when he started to make it, you would stop him and say, no, sir, I don't want it in a fancy coupe. I want it made the old fashioned way, which meant they would serve it on a lump of ice in a rocks glass. And that nomenclature caught on. And even today, we still call it an old fashioned, which is actually just short for the old fashioned whiskey cocktail. I love that. I love that. And, and, and like you said, there's just something great about an old fashioned. So I'm guessing this is another one. Is it, It's three parts and it's one you yes. can build off of, correct? Yeah, ab- absolutely. What made a cocktail different than any other kind of mixed drink at the time was that it included bitters. Bitters were only used for medicinal purposes. If your stomach was upset, your doctor would say, well, you need to take you know, a quarter teaspoon of bitters every night before you go to bed. This was the first time that a mixed beverage started incorporating bitters. So uh, your, your template for your old-fashioned cocktail, you start with two dashes of bitters. You do a quarter ounce of sugar. Um, I always use a two-to-one syrup. You can also use a one-to-one syrup if you want it to have a little bit more bite. There's a lot of leeway here to do different kinds of infused or flavored syrups as well. But you only need a quarter ounce. Anything more and it's going to be way too sweet. And then you put in two ounces of whatever base spirit you want. It seems like a lot of booze in proportion to all of the other ingredients. But the idea of the cocktail is that it's really just a way of making two ounces of a really good alcohol, slightly more palatable. You just want to add a little bit of sugar and bitterness and seasoning to it so that you can throw it back a little bit more easily. And now for for those that are are using bitters, it's weird to hear dashes because you're used to, you know, it's really easy to to measure out the ounces, but a a dash, what is a dash for those that 
that may not feel comfortable going, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that's infuriating for me. I'm, I'm a stickler for controlling exactly what goes into a cocktail. And unfortunately, there's not a standard scientific dash that the culinary community uses. So in the bar world, we basically assume a dash is whatever comes out of the bottle. Now, there are a couple different measurements for... You know, some people say that there should be seven drops into one dash and then six dashes into a quarter teaspoon, but all of that's kind of arbitrary at the end of the day. So I treat it as a dash is whatever comes out of the bottle. Now, if that means that my Angostura dash is perhaps a little bit heavier than my orange bitter dash, that's okay. That's something that you can learn to play with at home, which is one of the, the fun things about making the old fashioned at home. But ultimately, you just kind of have to relinquish control on that aspect of it and just have fun. Just drop and dash whatever bitter flavors you want to have in there. And, and you touched on this, too, that the syrups can be different and also the bitters can be different. And how does that kind of work and how does that play together? The easiest way to change up your sugar syrup is to not use just a plain white syrup. I generally use a really nice cane sugar to make my syrups, which is gonna be something like a turbinado, uh, which is basically just the sugar that's just unprocessed. Now there's also Demerara that's available in most grocery stores. Demerara is gonna be turbinado sugar that has about 5% molasses added back into it. So it's a little bit more pungent, a little bit more fragrant, it's got a little bit more depth, more baking spices in it. Uh, and then there's a lot of other options. I mean, you've got agave is a really great option. And then you've actually got infused syrups. Like you could take a basic two-to-one syrup and infuse it with chili peppers or strawberries or pineapple or fruit or anything and kind of create any flavor profile you want as long as it matches sort of the the profile of the base spirit you know it's going to taste good and most of these are obvious you know a, a, a nice dark brown sugar syrup is going to go great with bourbon or calvados or cognac in the same way that a pineapple syrup is going to go great with any kind of dark rum and, and you mentioned it too. This is one that can go across the board. You can have it with, you know, rums. You can have it with mezcal. You can have it with with whiskey, and it's still a, a great drink. But brings some different flavors out. Exactly. One of the probably most well known modern classic cocktails out there right now is the Oaxacan Old Fashioned by Phil Ward. I think he created it around two thousand and seven in in New York City. But it's the same old-fashioned build that we've been talking about during this segment. You've got two dashes of a mole bitter, quarter ounce of agave simple syrup, and then and then you've got uh, two ounces of tequila. And it's, it's really one and a half ounces of tequila and then half an ounce of mezcal to add a little bit of flavor, but it's just the old-fashioned template that we've been talking about. I, I love that, and I love to see how you can build variety into these, and I appreciate it all, as always, Jake. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here on the Bar Conversations, he's a country musician, songwriter, Dustin Herring, and we also have his good friend Brandon Wright, as they're going to be playing at the Blazer and 88 Benefit this weekend, or at least after it, as this comes out. But guys, welcome in. Hey, buddy. Thank you for having us. Hey. Now, uh, I got a question. I think I can figure out this answer pretty quickly. I always like to ask this because I'm, I'm going a little whiskey, a little, little Breckenridge high proof uh, bourbon. You got anything good tonight? Well, we, <laughs> it's always around, <laughs> but we uh, try to keep it simple during the week, you know. Uh, I, I was going to say, I think you enjoy a, a good Keystone. I also think you have a love of ketchup. So why those two things that you kind of can't live without? <laughs> Coming to find out, you should just love the way they taste. And now that I know what's in them, I think it's just sugar. I'm addicted <laughs> to sugar. <laughs> one of them gets me an alcohol high, and the other one gives me an endorphin high, I guess. <laughs> I'll, put them, I'll, I'll put both of them on anything. <laughs> I was going to say, you can cook with Keystone. I mean, you can, you know, brats, dogs, oh. all sorts of good things. Oh, if I ever have a little bit of something I'm sauteing, there's always going to be just a couple drops in there, you know. I like it. I like it. 
Now I gotta ask this too, because you know, obviously we know you're you're into music these days. Uh, but uh, you you went to school, you got a plant pathology degree. What what happened? Where where did did it go right? Did it go wrong? What happened? <laughs> no, it, it went right. I mean, uh, um, I originally went to school just to do ag business and economics because I was just gonna needed a, a degree that fit uh, living back in southeast Alabama and. Uh, I got into music when I was in college, and, and, and when I was doing that, um, ended up getting an opportunity with my part-time job to get a plant pathology master's degree. And uh, I never thought I'd be somebody that got you know beyond a four-year <laughs> degree, but um, and I'm wearing my Auburn shirt too, so War Eagle, and uh, that was some of the best times of my life. Had I not went to Auburn, I wouldn't have learned to play guitar, I wouldn't have learned to write songs. I wouldn't have uh, ended up going uh, out to Mississippi where I took my first big boy job, and that's where I really fell into playing a lot of music and writing a lot of songs. And, and, and you know, Brandon, I, I don't want to leave you out here. I mean, uh, do, do you have a master's degree, or is Dustin just, you know, always acting like he's the smartest one in the room? <laughs> no, nah, he's definitely the smartest one in the room right now. <laughs> no, there's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference. I'm educated. Not smart. There's a, di- there's a way big difference, okay? There's a way big difference. Whatever he said. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, yeah, you mentioned, you know, learning guitar. I mean, was it just your buddies kind of teaching you and you picked up a couple chords and, like, you can almost say the rest is history? Exactly. That's all it was. Uh, I never even uh, knew a friend in southeast Alabama that had a guitar. We sang a little bit in church, stuff like that, sang along the radio, knew all the songs. Uh, but as far as that was a, an impossible challenge to me, those six strings were a, a maze I was never going to figure out. So somebody showed me three simple chords, and from there you can play a whole bunch of country songs, and most of those country songs were my favorite. So I was going to say, I mean, b- before we came on and I hit the record button, both of you had your guitars out, I, I think. And what, Do you just kind of now, is it second nature to have a guitar around and, and play? Uh, I mean, I, I was in Apalachicola, Florida this morning, and there was two things I brought with me, a bag with about two changes of clothes and a guitar. And when they told me we only had room for one, I said, well, you can get rid of that bag of clothes because I can buy more of those, but I'm, my guitar is going with me. <laughs> Brandon, do you feel the same way about your guitar? Is it always with you? I do. It, it travels with me like a case of beer. <laughs> But you don't uh, have to replenish it every every uh, couple days, right? This is very true. Just the strings. Just the strings. <laughs> like ice. It's like ice. You just, you just gotta you need ice. Got, got, you know, the, those essentials there. Now, Dustin, you know, for me, I was when I was reading up about you, I feel like uh, the Mississippi Delta, that had a big impact kind of on, on you when you went over there. And I think maybe is that kind of where the – the music bug really bit you and you, you got your career when you were working out there and, and so forth. It's uh it's where I had to make a decision on what I, what did I want to do that was safe in life or what did I want to do that felt like a purpose in life. And when I was out there, I mean, I had a, like, like you said, I had a good education, I had a good job, but it was one of those things where, uh, I was writing a lot of songs and, um, other people were starting to record my songs and I was like, well, I can either live the rest of my life out here, you know, being successful in something that everybody can do, or I can throw my hat in there and go after something that not necessarily everybody gets a gift or, or a talent to do. And, uh, I think the isolation of being out there for the first time in your life, you move to a brand new place where you don't know anyone, but I moved in a place where I started meeting really great people really music uh invested people that whole delta is just full of great musicians even people that don't do it full time they play every friday and saturday and they're better than a lot that i've ever seen any any other you know area you call it the blues you call it country you call it whatever they can do it all out there and they you know uh, they may be a mortician during the day one of one of my one of my biggest kind of pushers is a guy named Reverend Rob and he's out of Greenville, Mississippi. He's a mortician by day, but that's a bad man when he gets on stage. <laughs> and 
you know, he just, he's found a way to do his thing. And it, that was a big influence that I saw so many people, even some of my coworkers. One of my coworkers got a jazz musician degree from Memphis and he's out there with me checking cotton. And I'm like, you're so much better at guitar than checking cotton. Anybody can check cotton. He's like, well, I got to pay the bills. I can play guitar here as I go, you know, so stuff like that. Well, and then what pushed you to enter, depending on what, what year it was, the, you know, the Colgate, Texaco uh, country uh, um, songwriter competition back in 2012. What, what made you go, let's give this a shot and see what happens? At the time, I hadn't really played once I moved there. I hadn't played any of those venues. And finally, you know, those venues were the host of the talent contest. At, at the beginning, it was just a, who can sing the best, who can play the best. And uh, I entered that just like an American Idol or a voice that we didn't have back then. And as I progressed from city level to county level to state level to region, whatever, they uh, said, oh, by the way, uh, we have a songwriting contest. And we noticed that you keep singing original songs. You're not doing cover songs in this talent contest. And uh, they said, we, we think you should enter that. Well, just by fluke luck honestly i was i was like i want to sing my songs i want that to work i don't i can't sing garth brooks better than garth brooks i can't out sing randy hauser so i need to sing my songs the best i can and when i got that chance that i saw that i could just pitch my songs for the first time ever it just i just i looked up and uh that that's the only way i can explain i looked up and i just believed in my songs that much that's how i got there well, and, and did you really just ignore the phone call when when, when that call came in of, of you winning? <laughs> I shouldn't say I ignored it. it, it <laughs> I saw a, I saw a number. This is no no joke. And everybody knows I'm a big hunter and big fisherman, but this, I, this is the God's honest truth. I'm hunting outside of Greenwood, Mississippi, and the the competition. I've already got put out of the the singing part of it. I've already. I fell short. I came in like second, I think, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I get this phone call, and I'm hunting in Greenwood, Mississippi, and it says Nashville. And I was like, it's spam. It's somebody got the wrong number. Because apparently, not to be funny, but apparently to this day, I have one of the biggest drug dealers' phone numbers that ever come out of Cleveland, <laughs> Mississippi, because I get phone calls to this day from people wanting to know. Hey, man, the bird there. I need to get up a bird. I'm like, if you haven't got up a bird in about 10 years, I'm afraid. Anyway, I'm not trying to be funny, but it's the God's honest truth. You should hear some of the voice I have. But anyway, I'm sitting there in, in a deer stand, and this phone number rings, and it's Nashville. And I was like, that's nobody. It's, it's vibrating where I turn it off. Then voicemail. And uh, back then, I don't think your voicemail would let let it, like, read it for you when you checked it you know what it transpired mm -hmm. or whatever so when i got through hunt i actually had shot a deer and when we got through we got back to town and i was like, let me check this thing and i checked it and it was like hey this is so-and-so with nashville tennessee and you've won the songwriting contest we want to just congratulate you and tell you you're coming to nashville and i was like this is still probably a wrong number you know i didn't yeah you know, i still didn't believe it Thought, think, thinking, uh, uh, you know, someone like Brandon over there is just pranking you and just made, pulling your leg, right? It, it, you wouldn't believe how how surprised I was. Even I, even on the way up there, I was like, "There ain't gonna be a room there when we get there. there there's no way they booked <laughs> me a room at the Hilton up here and that. No way, no way, no way. Marriott, excuse well, me, not the Hilton, the Marriott. I was like, yeah. That's exactly what I would book. Not a hill in the Marriott. It's a trickle. <laughs> you know, I was like, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, what was it like, you know, getting to go to Music Row and kind of seeing all that and, you know, realizing that, you know, there there could be an opportunity this way? To, to not know anything about Nashville from music and to win that was really, in a way, probably the only way it would ever happen because had I come there straight away, I would have already been intimidated by music row. I've been intimidated by these 
songwriters I'm meeting, these publishers I'm meeting. But I was just so naive. I just thought like it's just like anything else. You want to buy a bag of seed, you just drive to this town that sells the seed, and you tell them, hey, I'm here to buy seed. And uh, open the door, let me in. Well, they just let me right in because I'd won this contest, and that was part of the deal. And when I'm there, all of a sudden I start realizing, like, holy moly, this is, I'm looking at Grammys sitting on shelves and stuff, and they're not, not to talk bad about your man cave, but what I thought Music <laughs> Row was was the big, the downtown big buildings. And all. Music Row is this little couple, two-lane, I mean, couple, two one-lane streets with these little houses on them with basements, and there's five or six different producers and songwriters and publishing companies that work in there, and it, there ain't much to it, but that's where all the magic happens. And I was just overwhelmed, to be honest. And I, when it clicked in my head, these people that I just shook their hand, I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I just got lucky and swung on the first pitch and I hit a home run. And now they think I'm a good hitter, you know. Uh, it, it was just overwhelming. Well, and then you, you decided to, did you end up moving up there in, in 2014 to kind of give this a go full time? What, what was that like? Yeah, one of the uh, one of the songwriters I got to meet in one of those basements. She's a producer. She's a successful songwriter. Her name is Victoria Shaw. She wrote The River uh, for, for Garth Brooks. And I was asking her, she's like the last, I'd met several songwriters, several producers in that day. And she's the last one that I finally felt comfortable enough. Now I was like, I got to ask you some, some questions. And I was like, how hard is it really? Like I have this job, I have this stuff. I don't know what I'm doing. I love this so much, but how hard is it? And she said, if you have to ask me whether or not you should move up here, you shouldn't move up here. And she said, because when I was coming up, if you would have told me I wasn't going to be a star, I'd have told you to kick rocks because that's the only way you can be who you are. That's the only way it's going to work. You got to believe in yourself more than anything. And if you don't, then you need to just go back and play it safe. So I was torn. I didn't know what to do because I believed in myself, but I'm looking up and I'm like, the odds She's telling me the odds are stacked against me. She's telling me the odds are stacked against her. And she's wrote the river, you know. And, uh, man, that's that probably the biggest motivation I ever had in my life. And she said, if you want to be in the big leagues, you got to move to the big leagues. And ain't nobody going to help you. And ain't nobody sent for you. And I was like, all right. So I went back and I had to really think about it. But I said, I'm not going to die over here in Mississippi wondering or not whether I could be a songwriter. Well, and it, it seems to have worked out, out pretty well for you. I mean, you know, you, you, you're getting to play music now for, for a living. I mean, I know you still get to go to the farm and, and different things at times. But what's it like to be able to do this? And, and that you took that bet on yourself, and so far it, it seems to be going well. Sometimes it's the hardest thing. In, in life because you see your friends, they have a lot more stability and stuff like that. But like I said, I last night, this time of night, last night, I was down in Apalachicola, Florida at a fish camp that didn't even have phone service enough to do this interview. <laughs> and, you know, here I am on the, on the internet with you doing this podcast. Now, granted, here's the other part people don't see. I only got to sleep two and a half hours and I had to get up, had to drive two hours to another airport, had to do two connection flights. Then I'm in Indianapolis at 3 p.m. and I'm going to play three shows. I'm going to turn around, fly back, three more shows in a row, one day off, Florabama. I like it. It just, everybody gets to see the cool part. They don't get to see the, you know, grind, the grind of it. Um, it's funny to me that uh, just to to try to cross promote with my interest. Obviously, I want to do music. I want to do songwriting. I want to do singing. I want to do hunting. I want to do fishing stuff, football, whatever I'm into at the time. It's so funny. Uh, one of my mother's friends the other night, I was like, I just 
wish I could just take off next week and just go fishing just one day. And she goes, what are you talking about? You fish every single Friday. And I'm like, no, I post a picture of a fish every single Friday. I'm not fishing every single Friday. You think, I mean, granted, I, I can go from Apalachicola to Indiana, but I don't do that all the time. So, it, you know, sometimes you fake it till you make it or whatever the term is. But I'm most of the time, if I say I'm fishing somewhere, uh, I was doing that earlier in the week or something like this. You know, at least I get that opportunity. I'm not stuck behind a desk, nine to five. I'm not, no one tells me what to do. I, I do, for the most part, what I want to do. Well, and, you know, you, you, with that being said, you get to do cool things. You get to do fun things. You know, this when this airs, you know, the the benefit that, that y'all are, are playing this weekend will have passed. But how cool is it to do stuff like that, you know, where you're able to give back to veterans and, and you know, share your talent with, with, with someone else and be able to, to help out? Well, first, I just want to thank all my veterans, all my buddies like this that, you know, served our country and made sacrifices and that they still deal with those sacrifices. It's not something you just put in those those years, you get your check and do whatever they, they, they've lost good friends. They have struggles they go through with all the time. So first off, I just want to tell how much I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all so much for all of that. And the least I can do if somebody calls me and says, Hey, we're doing something. Would you want to be a part of it? The least I can do is say, look, if I can afford to get there, I'll be there. And, um, it means the world to me that they, they could pick anybody else to do it, and they asked me to do it. So that that's kind of where I am on it. And, and you know, Brandon getting to, to play with Dustin and something like this and, and, and have a good time, I mean, how, how cool is that? It's very cool. I mean, we met, what, six, six years ago at a bar here in my hometown, and it's crazy that we our friendship grew over hunting and fishing and obviously music, but... I mean, this is probably pretty much the first time we've really played real, really a whole show together. So, it's and, and that's the thing. I, I met him for some uh, a, a local artist wanted to sing one of my songs and wanted to make a music video, and he wanted me to be there to kind of be a part of it and you know be around. Well, I meet him sitting at the bar waiting on them to get the camera set up and stuff, and I talked to him about it every day, you know, and that was just that's what music can do. It can just, you can meet so many people. Some of my closest core people are people I met through music. And, uh, and then he, and then like, like him saying, Oh, this is our first time playing a show together. He sends me videos of him playing guitar. I'm like, I can't even do that. And I do this for a living. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, music is just, if you want to do it, you can do it. And it, it, it fixes people. It heals people. It reaches people. It does all these things and, uh, it connects people. That's the biggest thing. And, uh, it's some kind of a magnet that I don't think anybody can explain. It just pulls. I, I can't even explain it, but it just pulls people together and it's hard to me and you wouldn't be sitting here if you didn't like music and I didn't write it for beer, make a matter. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> the beer can make it better. There's one of those yes, right sir. there. I was going to say, I mean, that, that's like the perfect line for, for the, for the podcast, you know, intersection of good drinks, good music and good times. I mean, uh, I mean, there, there is something to that though. And, you know, you know, what's it still like? Cause I'm guessing, do you still get out on the farm and, and get to, you know, enjoy that and, and, and relax a little bit on occasion, Dustin, is that relaxed time for you when you get to sit in the tractor and just <laughs> kind of, you know, work a little it, bit that it, way. It is, it is, it is relaxing because you're back home. There's, I, I didn't realize how much I missed South Alabama until I realized how long I've been gone. Um, but it's also a guaranteed paycheck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for a minute, like your voice gets tired. You get your fingers hurt. You get tired of singing the, you know, the, I'm tired of driving for a minute. I'd rather just sit somewhere. And when I operate a machine, uh, I was taught by a good friend of mine who taught me how to operate. You don't turn the radio on because you need to hear and feel the machine. So you're just quiet. And it's so loud. Our whole world is so loud with all these stigmas. You know, your constant 
Facebook feed, your Instagram picture, your blah, 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 blah. It's too much sometimes. And uh, I know it's a great tool that can really get stuff out there, but sometimes it's good for me for just get it all over with in the morning. Here's where I'm playing this week, blah, blah, blah. Hope to see y'all there. Hashtag everything. I'm done. And I just cheat. <laughs> and you get to see the stuff. You get to just breathe for a second. So that's a... I will say this. I remember when that was my job every day. I'm on that tractor and all I'm trying to do is write songs. And then I got to a point where I was, I'm trying, all I'm trying to do is write songs. I just wish I could just chill on the tractor for a second. You know, just, it's, it, you can't make everybody happy all the time. And I'm, <laughs> that's got to be the best example ever. Just, there has to be a balance. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, how much, you know, like you mentioned, you know, not being able to get back home, how much, you know, COVID I'm sure can screw up a lot of things with the, the a career and different things, plan, plans and all, but did it kind of almost rebalance things when you got to go home and sit on that porch and be with family again? Oh, no doubt. I was, that was my first year that I had, a, I actually had booked an entire year worth of shows. Um, because I'd always worked a part-time job. I shouldn't say part-time. It was a full-time job. Uh, I worked for a record label guy taking care of a property in Nashville. I um, was working back home in Alabama growing uh, CBD hemp on the side. I'm doing anything I can do to try to make money to finance this fiasco called country music. And <laughs> that's the only way I know to say it. I mean, I would literally do anything. I wanted that bad. I'd work. I wouldn't sleep. I didn't care. Uh, and that just became the norm. You know, I neglected so many things. My health, the people that love me, the people I love. Uh, I mean, and then when, when the pandemic happened, I kind of went into like a one month of depression. A little poor pitiful me, you know. Everything I had lined up, everything I've worked for, everything that's supposed to happen is snatched out from under me. <clears throat> and I remember riding around one day and I called my aunt, who is my financial backer. She's uh, the business side of the, the, the publishing company I'm trying to run with. And she said, you're not the only one that's hurting. You're not the only one that's not fulfilling their dreams there's people who are losing their house they can't feed their kids they can't you know th there's people that are dying dustin and you're over here just saying your music career is not taking off like you wanted and that really kind of rang a bell with me and she said you got to see the, the the positive side of this you know you hang in it you know use this time to write use this time to rest use this you know, see what else you can do. And it was something after that day, like the very next day, I spent more time with my grandfather. I started doing stuff like cutting old ladies grass. You know, I was still being active. I was helping these other people that were all by themselves. And uh, it shifted from a selfish feeling to a grateful feeling. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that it happened, but I'm grateful that it happened. And I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to gain back those years I lost with my grandfather or reground myself or slow down or whatever you want to say. So, and I, I, I don't want to speak for Brandon, but uh, I'm sure it was cool to just be with your kids for a while. And I, I just, I had stretched myself too thin and, and, and focused on things that weren't that important. They're important, but they're not that important. I think it taught us all a lot, a lot about life. I think that, you know, families, we all learn that family is important and we all learn that, you know, obviously life can be taken from you at any minute from anything. So I just, I really think we all learned a lot about ourselves. Hmm. Well, you, it let everyone slow down and, and like, like you all say, kind of refocus and, I've talked to a lot of folks that were like, you know, I, it let us write, it let us do this. It, it opened up some things that maybe they, they couldn't do with the, the daily grind of, of everything else. And, you know, 
for for you, Dustin, you recently in May released Acquired Taste. Uh, what was that like putting that album together? And uh, also, I got to ask this, Brandon: Is Dustin an acquired taste? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lie. Don't lie, boy. He is. <laughs> but it's it's an easy acquired taste for a lot of us, though. So. Well, if you only see kind words, you only surround yourself by other acquired tastes. We <laughs> all just fall ourselves right in there. There's that too. I like it, but very, very uh, uh, diplomatic there. But so I, I, you know, listening to the album, I love "Calls for a Drink." I love "Horseshoes, Hand Grenades." Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of good songs in there. Obviously, you like a good drink. It's it's woven into some lyrics here and there. I mean, what was it like putting that album out? Um, especially after the pandemic, I've put out you know EPs and singles and stuff that I was kind of like a. hoping other people would like and obviously i want to try to always be good to a song i want to do the best song i can but at the end of it i was like if it can all be taken away from me and i only get one chance to say what i want to say what's on me what's in my soul what has made me go through everything i've went through in nashville then i need to say it now because if there's ever been a time that's told you it can be gone tomorrow now's that so I was like, I'm going to put out my art. I'm going to put out my voice. I'm going to put out my style. And it was the easiest thing I've ever did. I knew exactly what it wasn't like I had to guess over it or ask opinions. I knew I told them, this is what I'm going to put out. I'm going to put out this song in this order. And that's going to tell my story. And uh, after that, I don't, I sleep good. You know, I sleep good. <laughs> well, in in the, the I believe outside of you know having your grandpa be the the lead into the the album, the first song is Alabama Clay. Uh, what was it like to cover that, and why why did you want to cover that and put it on the? Well, album? Uh, first and foremost, I just fell on. That's what I grew up listening to was nineties country and being on those tractors with my grandfather's farm hands and stuff like that. Uh, that was you just listen to the radio. Those were the songs that I. If I could have grown up in an era, that's what I'd have picked. And that was one of me and my best friend's favorite songs. And when we lost him in a in, a, in an accident, it was like the the song for our group, our family. That's what that's what we all healed ourselves with. And it was always a real special song. And I, I recorded it originally as just a as, a as like a gift, a Christmas present, as a tribute to him. And I gave it to his uh mother his father his, his family sisters and all and uh even had garth brooks's daughter sing with me on it back before she was really pursuing the artist thing she just did that to me as a favor she sang harmonies and it was just a demo version it wasn't what we actually released and uh it, it that's the looking back that's the kind of things i moved to town to do was to reach people and uh, I think we reached more people with the underground demo that was just getting passed around via text messages than we've ever reached with the streams because it's not the same. You know, I mean? I, I'm, I'm just talking out of school now, but I know that that original demo we put out in 2017 that was just in a text message form, there's no telling how many times that thing's been shared. Uh, but that was that was the only way I could start off a record. Was why I started doing country music. It's because I fell in love with songs like that. Well, and and how has you know from that those early releases you know back from when you were just kind of cutting songs you know after the country showdown and and things like that to this album. How have things changed? Because obviously I know you said just a little bit ago that this is more you. This is you. This is what you want to put out and not maybe what others want to put out. Is that kind of how things have changed for you over time? I think uh, because I'm two things. I'm an artist where I'm a singer, where my voice is a traditional sound and voice. I like traditional sound stuff. But I can write anything. I can write pop. I mean, if Lady Gaga called me tomorrow and asked me to move, go out there to L.A., fly out there and write, I could, I could do it. I promise you I could do it. Um, 
not saying it'd be the best song she's ever been co-writer on, <laughs> but you know, I could do that stuff. I mean, I enjoy writing other people. I love, I love all types of music. Like it, it so the, the problem that I think I ran into was I can write something that's really good and really catchy and people like, but if I sing it, it just doesn't, it doesn't come off right. You know, um, <laughs> it, it doesn't change whether or not that song reaches or touches people. But if you're not the one to deliver it, if you're not that person and I'm just not that person, I have a, I have a niche. My songs have to, they only can fit when I'm singing them a certain way. And I, I think I just tried a lot of different stuff because that's what was working. And don't get me wrong. I'd like to make some money. I'd like to keep staying here. I've outlasted a lot of people but I want to last. I want to be here when it's all said and done. And you got to make those, you know, compromises. Uh, but as far as an album goes, I wasn't going to compromise. If I only get one shot, if everything could be took away, I, I wasn't going to compromise. I did what I knew I was good at. And I did what I knew I wanted to say. Now, now I got to ask, can you write a, you know, if like Jay-Z calls you up, are you able to write a hip hop song? If I flipped a quarter, I'd bet on heads, and I bet it land on heads. I can do it. Okay. <laughs> I like nope. it. I like the confidence. <laughs> it ain't that hard. All you gotta do is say four oh. things. Yeah, four things. Them, them. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a country song right now. What? Well, song, by the way. In case you didn't know, it's true. Can't. I like it. I like it. I like Take it. Rhyme. Just go. Yeah. Or. Are they oh, gonna kick us I, off the radio? <laughs> they gonna kick me off the radio? Oh, you ain't even been on it. <laughs> uh, uh, well, and I gotta ask this too because you mentioned the songwriting process, and I'm curious about curious about this for both of you because I'm always wondering like how it is to write a song. Sometimes people it's just an idea. Some can only write the hook or the catchy part, and then they you know work with others to kind of flesh it out or. You know, I, I had a, a Dane Lewis on. He's like, no, it's it was pure life experience. I came from a small town, and also that meant uh, they knew who I was probably writing about. So where where do you guys fall in on on that, and how how the songs come and and the lyrics and well, everything? I think it'd be cool to let Brandon answer this from his perspective because he doesn't do it professionally all the time. I would say you're a, you 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 try to write songs, right? Yeah. So you tell them what it's like when you first start off. It comes from real life experiences. For me, it does. It all doesn't always end up very well, but it's usually I've had a few ideas that have been taken off and ran with that have worked. But when I tried, it just it's it's a disaster. And I've tried to write, come up with an idea for him, but I just have kind of folded them up and thrown them away. So to me, it's real life experiences, but I'm sure he's probably the exact same way. You see, you know too much about songwriting. You know just enough to get yourself in trouble. What I'm saying yeah. is you shouldn't worry about what I think. You shouldn't worry about what anybody thinks. When I started writing songs, I didn't even know that you wrote songs to other people. <laughs> I didn't know it was a thing. I thought every person that sang the song wrote the song. You know what I mean? I was kind of disappointed. When I got Google and some good internet, and I found out that <laughs> you and me both, these people didn't write these songs. I was like, hold up. I don't know if I like them as much as I used to. I, who wrote this? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my God, that person I didn't think they could sing that well wrote all these songs. Holy shit, Willie Nelson wrote all these songs. Now I'm a huge Willie Nelson fan. Now I'm a huge, song, you know what I mean? Like, I was more into that. And or like now it's like Luke Bryan Luke Bryan wrote that song but he didn't record it right I mean yeah that's what at the end of the day I, I love when people say I hate this new country music I hate this and that I'm like you hate music business you hate the commerce part of it you don't hate the art you don't know what it's like to have kids and uh, there, there's 50 there's probably more like 500 other people under every artist that is depending on them to make this huge so they can all keep their jobs. 
And that goes all the way from setting up the stages to running the merchandise to driving the trucks to not to forget producing the songs, writing the songs, background vocals, guitars, musicians, everything. You don't know what it's like, so don't tell me you hate Luke Bryan. You just hate the commercial song Luke Bryan's got, but think about that number seven track called Drink a Beer or something like that. You know, that's a Chris Stapleton song, by the way. You know, you yeah. didn't know that. Nobody knew who Chris Stapleton was till he sang Tennessee Whiskey, yeah. which was an already <laughs> been covered twice yeah. in a totally different progression. You know, it's, I, to this day, if, if I ever meet somebody who says they want to be a, and if they're young, I'll give them a little grace because they say, I don't like this stuff. I don't like that. <laughs> I'm like, there's a happy medium we all have to work with. Maybe drink a beer and chill out and sit here for five years. And if you're still here in five years and you say you don't like it, then you ain't done enough to change it, you know. It's just kind of the way I think about it. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a tough industry. It's not it's not an easy thing. It's not something that everyone gets gets to do, at least you know, on, on the big stage. And there's a lot that goes into it. And is it weird to share those personal experiences or those life experiences that you've you've had in those songs that that you write about, or or maybe kind of become the inspiration behind a song? Nah, not really. Because like like Brandon said, that's the only way I. St- that's the only way I ever connect to people in the first place. I started off just writing about what I knew. Then when I got to Nashville, I kind of veered off a little bit when I was writing with other people and we were writing what we thought people wanted to hear. And I kind of lost the connection with the folks that were following me in the first place. And they can tell the difference. People can tell whether I'm being uh, general when I'm writing this song or I'm talking about me. And if all I can get is people that listen to me and I need to keep singing songs about me or whatever I've been through or something, it has to be real close. You know, it can't, I'm not saying every single song happened to me, but it's got to be within arm's reach. And, uh, cause that's what people feel. Yeah. And then I can write other songs and then those people that are, those artists will grab those and that'll be them. And then when they're doing it, people will their audience will know that's them whether they wrote it or not and then i'm I'm still i'm still relevant i'm still in the vein of music i'm still putting it out there well and 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 as you go as you know the the year you know you've put out an album what's what's the rest of this year look like for you supporting the album going on tour or you know going to music you know playing shows things like that is that the rest of the year for you Maybe a little time on the farm, a little, little hunting, fishing too. <clears throat> I, I, I won't say the the time on the farm just, but like I said, that's just being here and there when I can. Uh, when I get two days off, Monday and Tuesdays are my, my day, quote unquote, off where I don't actually play, so I give myself some vocal rest. But uh, that's where you call venues, line up stuff, uh, catch up on your, you know your accounting, your all you get your receipts straight, get everything. See how much you just lost on your tour to Texas. That kind of <laughs> stuff, you know? <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding. But no, seriously, we should make more money, uh, other than what we do. Um, but uh we've got we've got some songs we've already recorded and that the whole goal with those songs were okay. Um, once we get some traction and other stuff we put those songs out so we'll probably put out a couple more singles and uh focus on i guess you would call it your your your, your group of people and uh those people that have been there we've heard what they say we've seen their messages i've listened to what song they want me to say to record so that's what we're going to do too but yeah this whole summer has just been going everywhere putting out cds playing playing the record doing stuff like that and it's just been a blast for me just to have people request those 10 songs i put out and and play them i mean how how cool is it to have people want those songs i mean obviously at the end of the day that's what you want to have happen but that doesn't always mean it's gonna happen exactly how you you hope i mean that's got to be a fulfilling thing to see these days and make you feel like you're still going in the right direction with everything well, just like coming out here with Brandon and his folks up here, they've um, 
over the, the, the past four or five years when I play a show up here every now and then, they don't want to hear they don't want to hear me sing my favorite country covers. They want me to play my songs. And for them to invite me up here, knowing I've put out a record, knowing that they're gonna want me to play those songs, that makes you feel pretty pretty dang good, honestly, because there's no reason for a boy from South Alabama to be just south of Indianapolis at all. You know, I have I've never lost anything up here. There's no reason for me to be up here. But uh and to get to be a part of a good benefit and get to, you know, share a stage with a buddy, uh, it's just going, it's just, it's, it, what else could a man really want? You know, it's, it, it, I got a pretty good deal going right now. Well, and before I wrap it up, I got to, got to say blazer88.org, uh, I believe, for the foundation. And anything else you guys want to talk, say about that? Because it seems like it's, it's doing some, some good things and, you know, passion for helping others is is its goal, and it seems like that's what y'all are being able to do. Yeah, we uh we started Blazer eighty eight about four years ago. A buddy of ours that was a Marine also um, passed away tragically in a motorcycle accident, and Chuck was always the guy who would call you, be like, "Hey, can you watch my dogs? You know, I got to go help so and so. He's struggling." I need to help him. And when Chuck passed away, it was all of us buddies came together and was like, we need to start something, you know, and his blazer 88 was his call sign in the Marine Corps. So we started that and he loved motorcycles and we're not just a motorcycle ride. We're doing a 5k October 15th to raise, raise uh, proceeds for events that we have. Also, um, this past year we did, we had two kids that we sent to Life Camp USA, which is a therapy-based camp. Um, these two kids lost their parents in the global war on terror. Um, and basically we just want to help veterans with therapy and financial support. Um, you can donate at blazer88.org um, at the bottom of the page. If you have Venmo, PayPal, we also take debit, credit card. I mean, it's nothing. There's no better feeling than as a veteran myself is helping kids who have lost their parents or a veteran who is struggling either with things that happen on a deployment or just coming home from the service and having trouble with the transition to civilian life that's what we're here for and that's what we're trying to do in chuck's name and it's blazer88.org you can find them on facebook as well and um doing some some really amazing things to support you know veterans their mental health and and their families and and i love that and and dustinherring.com um and you can also find him on social media and guys this was a blast i appreciate you sharing a drink with me and uh, uh, always a good time, and and that's what drinks do, and music brings people together. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank you.